the true mirror of your destiny is not a physical mirror it is the word of god that is who you are chapter 6 Paul speaks of the fact that we walk after the flesh but we do not war after the flesh then it comes to Ephesians to give us a detail of the battle we are going through and he says that we are fighting and in war with unseen powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness. He mentions some terrible entities that are in battle with the church. To confirm what Jesus said, that I will build my church and the gate of hell will not prevail. It means that the gate of hell will come, only that they will not prevail. And Paul begins to break down the spiritual entities that will come after us then the good news is that he exposes us to some spiritual armor that we can put on to deal with the entities that are sent after us then he makes mention of the belt of truth that whenever we hold on to the truth it's like a belt that the soldiers put on and the Roman soldiers would put on a belt to hold all other armory around them. The sword is there. It covers the breastplate of righteousness. Their breastplate covers many things. And he said that the first weapon is that you stand for the truth. And Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So he mentions the breastplate of righteousness. And he mentions other weapons, the helmet of salvation and all that. But he gets to a particular weapon. Somebody say, faith is alive. He gets to a particular weapon and he begins by saying, above all. Above all. Taking the shield of faith. I've been talking about weapons, but above all the weapons. I've been talking about helmet, talking about breastplate, talking about belt. I've been talking about even the sword. I've been talking about the, the, the sword of the feet. I've been talking about weapons. But when he got to this point, he says that above all that I've spoken of. In other words, what I'm about to talk about is superior to all the other weapons. Am I with the church? Above all this. In other words, you can forfeit some, but not this one. Above them, hold this one in high esteem. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Hold on to this. Let it be your focus. Don't trivialize this weapon. Above all the weapons, hold on to this weapon. The shield of faith. Because the fiery that will be coming. And I wonder how this man could, could tap into the spirit. Because there are things in the spirit. 
to heaven, saw things and he began to curse himself. Paul himself went to heaven, saw things and he said that I cannot speak. These lips cannot speak. The things I saw. So there are spiritual things we don't know. That is why Christianity is too spiritual to canalize it. So Paul is saying that there are, there are fiery that The Amplified puts it as burning missiles. Missiles carrying fire behind it. It means that when the enemy should attack you, it comes like an arrow with the fire behind it. You see, yesterday I was watching a documentary about a gentleman called Elon Musk. And this is the gentleman that invented the SpaceX, uh, an aircraft that, that can travel to the space and come back. And when I was watching the documentary, you could realize that the strength of that spaceship was the fire behind it. The moment the fire begins to burn, it shoots the spacecraft and it moves in across the boundaries of the earth and moves it outside the earth. Why? Because there is a, a burning fire around it. And Paul says that every arrow that comes from the gate of hell carries fire. It's a fiery, it's a burning arrow. It carries fire behind it. And any time we express faith and hold high the shield of faith, what happens is that it doesn't divert the arrow. It quenches the fire of the arrow. And when the fire is quenched, the arrow falls down and cannot travel again. Hallelujah. Listen, when I throw a bullet at you, it won't kill you until it is put in a gun and a force from a trigger pushes it out and it can kill you listen to me the, what you must be doing is not to be direct diverting arrows is to be quenching the fire behind the arrow today may grace come upon you may you lift up the shield of faith and quench all the fire that is the point where you, you can be thrown into the den of a lion, but the lion cannot eat you. The arrow came, but there's no fire behind it to destroy you. That is when you can be put into fire, but the fire has no power to burn you. Listen, Christianity does not exempt temptation, but it exempts the destruction of temptation. Never forget it. Christianity doesn't mean that arrows will not come. But what it means is that it will quench the burning fire behind the arrow. That when the arrow comes, it will come, but it has no force to destroy. I came to declare to somebody here today that any arrow flying at your direction will come and fall before you. It will not have the power to pierce your life. Hallelujah. So we must understand the place of faith in our work. Then, you see, the, the Bible gives us a scenario of the children of old in Hebrews chapter 11. And the Bible says that they obtain a good report of their faith. They obtained it. Ha! True faith. He said some of them didn't die. Enoch was caught up to heaven by faith. 
He said that some of them, man, they quench the violence of fire. He said, by faith, they subdued kingdoms. By faith, they raised the dead back to life. By faith, some of them, the Bible says, they closed the mouth of lions. By faith. And he said that these were the good reports about their lives. But you see, there is, some of us will be asking ourselves, how come lions are eating us today? How come fire is burning us today? How come some people raise back their dead to life through faith, but people are dying around us and we are not able to wake them up? And I got to realize something. That there is something called the object of faith. Somebody say the object of faith. If you miss it, you might have faith. But your faith will be towards something else. You must define the object of your faith. And I looked through the life of all these patriarchs of faith. And I realized that one thing they got right was the object of their faith. The object of your faith is when you say, I have faith, what do you have faith in? It's one thing having faith and another thing having faith in the right thing. And I see through scriptures that though they were too strong, they were too powerful, to even believe in themselves, but they realized that they ended up having the focus of their faith on God. Please get this very well. If your faith is not towards God, you might see people getting the results of faith, but you may never get it. We are in the world that when you don't take care, you might be tempted to build faith in yourself because they'll tell you believe in yourself. We will tell you if you believe you have a car, you have a car. So you will end up believing in Range Rover rather than the God that gives Range Rover. So you must define the object of your faith. Not even the resource of faith. Listen to me. Daniel never knew that he could close the mouth of a lion. He just wanted, he just expressed faith in God. Don't pray. He said, I will open my window and pray. I want to prove that I believe God. I want to prove that I love God. So Daniel was expecting death just to prove his faith in God. But his faith brought a miracle that the world has never seen. He entered into the den of a hungry lion and they couldn't eat him. And that became the resource of his faith. But the guy was not even looking for the resource. He just believed in God. Most of us believe in the resource and not the one who gives the resource. The Bible says that without faith no one can please the Lord. But he that comes to God that believes that he is and is a rewarder of them that seek him. And the Bible says that an Enoch sought him diligently and was not. Enoch never knew that the reward of seeking God was to be not. He never knew that the result of seeking God desperately was to be captured to heaven without seeing death. He just had the passion. 
He believed that God existed. And he wanted to see the reality of who God is. And the result of that faith was that he was captured to heaven. Today, most of us try faith because we want the results. So we have made the results the object. So in reality, we don't really believe in God as we should. There is a motivation. That is why we believe. There's a motivation. But you see, the possibilities faith can bring on the table of a believer, these eyes have never seen. These ears have never heard. And this heart has never perceived. When you see somebody's results and you are motivated to believe in that result, you've gotten it wrong. Because you can believe in the same God and get a better result. Yeah. You can believe in the same God. So what God wants us to understand is that the Baptists believed in him and they got different results. And the focus of God is that we must also have a particular faith. Then when you read Hebrews chapter 11, the last but one to the last verse, he talks about how they got a good report with their faith, but never had the promise. And he said, God, having provided us with a better thing, somebody say a better thing. He said that their faith brought them all these things. But our faith, God has provided something better. Ha, if I were a child of God, I would not be looking at Hebrews chapter 11 to see their results. I'll be searching for that better thing. And he said that be, without that better thing, they cannot be perfected. So even all those who close the mouth of liars cannot be perfected because they didn't have that better thing. And you see, the chapter 12 verse 1 says that therefore we are surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded with a great cloud. He didn't say spectators, he said witnesses. Do you know who a witness is? A witness is a person who comes with an evidence that this is my evidence to this case. So Enoch has come with this evidence that with faith you can disappear from earth. Daniel has come with this evidence that with faith you can close the mouth of lions. Abraham has come with an evidence that with faith you can make a sacrifice that will let God swear to himself that he will bless you. Rahel has come with an evidence. All these people are seated, a great cloud of witnesses watching us with their evidences. This is what our faith did. But the Bible says that these people have a better thing. So we are here to watch And then the Bible reveals to us that what we have better than them is that God has provided for us a faith that can bring unto us the salvation from sin. You see how simple it is to you. It's better to be saved than to shut the mouth of a lion and not have the presence of God. It's better to be saved and God dwelling in you than to enter fire and come out and the fire not burn you. See, it's a better thing. I said, it's a better thing. So he said that, after he said that, he said that, so lay aside every sin that easily beset you. 
where you have entered is a better thing and look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of your faith there is a better thing that better thing is our salvation hear me very well a saved man through grace by faith in Jesus is far better than an unsaved man who opened the Red Sea into two. Oh, I, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. You, you, might, you might not value salvation as issue, but the Bible says it's a better thing. At that time, the Bible calls it a better covenant. <laughs> the Bible says it's a, it's a better covenant. Hear me, you are not less valuable because you don't work miracles. The fact that you are saved through faith. Ah, somebody say through faith. <laughs> oh, say through faith. I'm saved through faith in Christ Jesus. That is what makes everything about me better than that of Moses. Their faith was to open the sea. Their faith was to hit the ground for frogs and other things to come out. That was what their faith could do. But what our faith can do is that our faith can cause God to become flesh and die for us. That is what our faith does. In the midst of all what their faith, the exploits their faith were doing, they were still in bondage to darkness. They were in the bondage of lust. They were in the bondage of sin. They were in the bondage of darkness. They were, they were oppressed by the devil. The devil had them in the palms of his hands. But you see, when we became born again through faith, the Bible says that we have become the light shining in darkness. And he said that the darkness cannot comprehend us. Darkness cannot comprehend light. We have something better. Tell somebody we have something better. It's so glorious. It's, it's, it's a blessed gift. So you must understand that our faith has worked out something more powerful. It is more than a good report. Do you know right now that you share the same life with God? He says that this is eternal life, that you will believe in the true Son of God. He said that, for they believe in Him and He gives them eternal life. All of them died and went back down to the ground. Today when you die, you are going up into the bosom of the Father. That is the blessedness of the faith that brings salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says that for the grace of God that brings salvation unto all men has appeared. Don't let anyone deceive you. No, don't let anyone deceive you. There, there's a life of faith. You must believe in what the Lord has done in you. You might be having delays in your life, having disappointments in your life, but it can never make you better. What made you better was God saving you and dwelling in you. You were a better person. Hallelujah. Every other thing that comes is only coming to compliment. The main thing is that you have received a better thing. That is salvation through Christ. That is what you have. Hallelujah. There is so much contention about the gospel of salvation. And we must, we must understand it and walk in the light of it. This is something that 
nothing you do can give you except your faith in the finished works of Christ. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And it comes to give you a life of God. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and shift and transform everything you do. He says that when it comes, he mortifies the deeds of the flesh and he gives you the deeds of the new man. And you begin to live life like if God was on earth, how he will live life. If God without smoke, you begin to smoke. But if God will be on earth and he will be full of love, you will also be full of love. If you will restrain from all dirtiness and filthiness, you will also restrain from all dirtiness. It, it's a salvation that brings the life of God in you to live life as if God is on earth. This salvation cannot be explained. Sometimes they, they tell us to prove the logic about it. It cannot be. It cannot be this. We can't explain. The Bible initially told us that it will be foolishness to the world. So this thing that I have is... The, the word of God clearly says it's foolishness. So I cannot explain to you. It's, it, it, was, it already looks foolishness to you. How do you want me to explain? Hallelujah. I can only leave it to you. I can only manifest it to you. Praise God. We must understand it. People trying to let it seem as if when God comes to live in you, then you can be whatever you want and it's okay. That too is a lie. When Jesus came on earth, we saw his life. It was documented. It was written. In John chapter 17, he said, I sanctify myself for your sake. I separate myself for your sake. It was written. Everything about him was sanctified, separated unto honor, separated unto glory. He, the Bible says he was tempted at all points, yet he did not sin. He had no business with sin. May you also have no business with sin. Hallelujah. There are other gospels running about saying that there is nothing like sin and whatever you do doesn't matter. It's a lie. Somebody says a lie. It's a lie from hell. You must always remember that 2 Corinthians chapter 11 For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan is transformed into an angel of light. There is a big difference. When he was Lucifer, Lucifer means the light bearer. When you get to heaven, eh, when you get to heaven, everything called light carries a word. Light is knowledge. So whenever the heavenly realms mentions light, he's talking about the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. There was nothing made that was made without the word. And in him was light. And the light became the light of men. And the light shines forth. And darkness could not comprehend. So in the heavenly realm, light is the word. And the Bible says Satan was called Lucifer. And Lucifer means the light bearer. Light bearer. So in heaven he was not light. He was a bearer of light. He was the bearer of the word. Wherever the word goes, Lucifer carries the glory of the word. Please, are you here with me? Lucifer carries the glory of the world. He moves about. 
Then he loses that glory and comes down. And then he comes down. And this time, he's not ready to be a carrier of the word. He wants to be the word. He has been transformed into the angel of light. And now has ministers preaching him. Go ahead, verse 15. Therefore, it is no great if his ministers also be ministers transformed as the ministers of righteousness. So he also has ministers preaching righteousness and salvation through him. So there are two lies today. There is the true light of God that shines over the world. And there is another light that shines from hell. That is why, you see, the reason why the enemy hated John the Baptist so much was because of this. The Bible says that the light shines in darkness, the darkness comprehends him not. Then he said, there was a man sent from God. He was not that light, but he was the bearer of that light. So John the Baptist took the very position of Lucifer in heaven. There is nowhere the word is that somebody must not bear that word. So when John the Baptist came, he was a full representative of the ministry of Lucifer once in heaven. Lucifer was the bearer of the light. John the Baptist came. The Bible says he was the bearer of the light. According to John 1 verse 7, that was, he was the bearer of the light. Then he came down. So Satan said, I'll kill you. You are fighting with me over position. Then now Satan goes and come back and transforms himself into an angel of light. Do you know Satan can appear to you? My thing is, is Jesus. The light and the glory and the wisdom and the knowledge that will proceed out of him, you might think is Jesus talking to you. Yeah. He wants bare light and the glory of that light still remains with him in hell. So Satan can talk to you and preach to you as if it's Jesus. So when he met the word, he was exchanging the word with the word because he was once carried the word before. It is written. The word to say it is written. You also say it is written. The word to say it is written. Why? Because you are the word, but I'm also a carrier of you. So today, somebody inspired by the devil can preach to you, might think that this inspiration is from God, that it will be from hell. So we must understand this subject of this faith life that has brought us into the life of God. We must fully understand it. Otherwise, some of us will buy into lies and satanic doctrines that will teach us strange things. No, no. You cannot receive the life of God and nothing will change about you. It's not possible. The evidence that God has stepped somewhere is changed. God cannot step anywhere and things remain the same. It's impossible. Moses met him some few days and they have to cover him up for many days. Because he came emanating the glory. That is my whole, that is my whole heartbeat. That they can never convince us that Christians can be the same as the world and yet profess that God lives in us. It's not possible. No. The Bible says that even the devils believe in him and they tremble. So your faith must operate with corresponding actions. Somebody say corresponding actions. 
Something about you must be a proof of your faith. James says, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. The Bible says we are created unto good works. So this works is what comes from the energy of the life of God that comes to dwell in us. You cannot say that I've received God in me and yet nothing about you is changing, sir. No, one of the first things the world must see about us is the expression of the wisdom of God. If we say we have been saved through faith and God lives in us, the first thing they must see is that we must be the center of the, of the expression of excellence, the center of the expression of wisdom, the center of the expression of mighty works. We must be a surprise to the world. He said, what wisdom has been given to this man that such mighty works are wrought by him? Wisdom is equated to mighty works. The world must come to us and learn order. The world must come to us and learn discipline. The world must come to us and learn commitment, diligence, hard work. If truly God lives in us, then we must express something the world doesn't have. Our failure is that right now, sometimes we have to invite worldly people to the pulpit to teach us certain things. They must come to our pulpit to teach us discipline, to train us, to teach us commitment, to teach us financial management, to teach us time management, to teach us how to manage and structure our ministries and organizations. They teach us how to... Hi, how can the world teach us how to manage our home and marriage? And after that, we say we carry the wisdom of God. What a lie. May you tap into this grace of God's wisdom. Hallelujah. Listen, the issue is that light has come to the world. But because men love darkness, they are running away from the light. People don't want to hear the truth. First Corinthians 1.30, Christ is our wisdom. He said, Christ is our wisdom. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our sanctification. He is our wisdom. We cannot express life anyhow. We cannot fail like, like just the world. You cannot be in school and be failing. Do you know what it takes for Christ to be your wisdom? Do you know what it takes for God to live in you? Why would you allow laziness to let your business collapse? And yet you profess God lives in me. What kind of God is that? There were men God used to come upon. Men God used to come upon. He was not in them. He was coming upon them. And some of them were overworking their lives and getting strange results. The Bible says that they had a good report. And God is dwelling in us. In us. And we keep giving excuses. Your life can never be stagnant if you can hear God. If, if you can allow God to direct you. 
He's right inside. We shouldn't go to bow at the feet of the world to teach us what to do. The Bible says that I will send you a comforter. He will guide you into all truth. He will teach you everything you have to know. How can you have the Holy Spirit and your life is in a mess, miserable? Everything you do is a mistake. You are always apologizing because everything you do is an error. How can you have such a God inside of you and every single day you must be instructed on what to do? You are always in a mess. There are Christians who are always in a mess. Always. Every day they are committing errors. Every day they are committing errors. Not until you come to the reality of this faith life. If God lives in me, then I believe that I must be an example. I must be a platform to the world. I, I must be a figure that the world must look at me and know that indeed there is a God that created the world. My diligence, my commitment, my faithfulness, my truthfulness must prove. My wife must sit down and say that this man carries God. Your husband must be able to sit down and say that this woman I married indeed brought God to my house. Your children should be able to watch you like this and say, ah, without our parents, we would have never known who God is. Your children must know God through you. The world must know God through you. Your classmates must know God through you. Wherever you get to, something unusual must happen around you for people to know that you carry God. There are some of us who are a disgrace to the God that is living in us. Because if our lives and our works and everything happening to us is, is an embarrassment to even the world. Somebody can say that if your life has gotten to the point where you shock the devil, then you should know there's trouble. There are some people that they say, ah, sometimes they can say, ah, this one will be me, not be me. Or my umuma bonsam campaign. This one, you know, be me, not be me, not be me. I never do this before. <laughs> no, you should you should be able to you should be able to give God glory. Let your light so shine before men that men may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Everything about your life, God's glory in the list of men is upon it. You must be excellent in your ways. You must be careful. You, listen, you cannot mess up. How, how, can, how can you carry God and you, you don't value the things of God? Somebody will be sleeping with you. You are probably in school and you call yourself, I'm anointed. God dwells in me and a roommate is watching you. You wake up in the morning, not even a two minutes prayer, not a Bible study. You rush to school, you come back, Come and chat with your boyfriend for two hours. Then you sleep. And tomorrow you come to say, God dwells in me. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm done. They'll be watching you and be laughing. What, what kind of life is this? Is this the life of God? They watch the songs you listen to. They watch the videos on your phone. They watch the, same, the kind of things you listen to. You say, ah, is this guy truly carrying God? 
There was a man who caught the wisdom of God. And by the time he realized queens were coming, Solomon, Solomon was so wise that queens were coming to see the splendor of his lifestyle. Wisdom. And no wonder he was the wisest man. Solomon could say that I will not build myself a house until the house of the Lord is built. That is wisdom in expression. Prioritizing God. There are some of you, God is about thief on the list. It is you, it is your girlfriend, it is your education, it is that damn God. You are not wise. Anyone who is full of wisdom, God first. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to see a man full of the wisdom of God? It's a man who is devoted consciously to the things of God. They want to see the work of God grow. They cannot stand to see souls lost. They cannot read the Bible and not practice it. That is a man with the wisdom of God. Many of us are just playing. We are just confessing Christ. Hey, Christ lives in me. But every other aspect of our life is a proof that there is no Christ there. Paul gave his life to Christ once. We didn't hear again that he went back to his old life. Peter gave his life once. He went back to fishing. Came back. We didn't hear anything again. Serve God till he died. We are talking about such wisdom at work. The world must be able to see the outcome of our lives and say, how did you do this? And you tell them, because God lives in me. You are in the same office, but God is blessing you with different properties. You didn't steal it. You didn't steal the money. You didn't do it. By wisdom, God is blessing you with companies. God is blessing you with your family. God is blessing you with this. Then they come to you and say, how do you do this? This is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is so real. It's a life. They could watch Paul and say, these are the people that have turned the world around. How did they do it? Wisdom. Even in prison, he was writing letters. Wisdom. When some people would have cried in prison, Paul took prison as, a, as an opportunity to be writing letters. And to the Philippian church, he told them that, I know that this problem I find myself is for the federals of the gospel. The wisdom of God doesn't make people cry. The wisdom of God doesn't make people feel as if they are the most miserable people on earth. No, no, it gives them that confidence that in all things it's working together for my good. And they find an opportunity to keep serving God even in the midst of challenges. No. Today you have this problem. Tomorrow the reason why I cannot serve God is because I don't. One of the, one of the things I don't want to hear in my ears that, Pastor, I don't have money. That's why I couldn't come to church. Ah, did you know what you just expressed? That wasn't the wisdom of God. That wasn't the wisdom of God. If you need only money to come to church, then you don't need this legs. So at any point in time, if God, if an accident wants to chop off this leg, it's fine. It's fine. The wisdom of God says that nothing will stop me. And nothing will separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing at all. May the wisdom of God be fully expressed in your life. It is in this wisdom we see glory. Can I, can I talk to you? 
it is in this wisdom we see obedience it is in this wisdom we see blessings it is in this wisdom we see the whole expression of god's goodness in our lives it it, it is working in this awesome wisdom of god it is in the deep reverence and obedience to god that we see some level of blessings am i talking to a church yeah yeah so you, you realize that we talk about how Christianity, we want to see the glory of God. We want to see that. We want to see that. It's in obedience. Wisdom will tell you, pay your tithe. Wisdom will tell you, honor God in vows and pledges and seed. Wisdom will tell you, evangelize. Wisdom will tell you, listen, wisdom is justified by her children. It is after you walk in wisdom, then the things that happens around your life shows that indeed the wisdom of God is real. One of the miracles of life is the ability to speak. He says that when he breathed into man, man began to speak. Man was able to communicate. Man was able to express the spiritual into the physical. That is a means for miracle creation. Your ability to speak forth what you see in the spirit and then it shall be formed in the physical. Am I here with the church? The evidence of some, the fact that something is happening to somebody and something bad is happening to the person is when the person cannot speak. Fall down right now and we try to tap you and you are not able to speak. We say you are dying. One of the evidence that somebody is dying is that the person has lost the ability to speak. Am I talking to a church? When Jesus resurrected, the Bible says that he met the, the uh, apostles in a, in a room and he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind and came upon them, landed on them like clothing of fire. And the next thing is that he gave them utterance. He gave them utterance. Listen, in Genesis chapter 2, he breathed and they began to speak. In Acts chapter 2, he came as a wind of fire upon them and they began to speak. May you receive the grace to speak. Am I here with somebody? There is an anointing that we receive when the Holy Spirit comes, when God breathed. He breathed Genesis 2, he breathed again in the New Testament. And the next thing is that we were given utterance. You must have the ability to speak in faith. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. He says that for they believe and they spoke. Therefore we also believe and we speak. If you believe you must speak. Whatever you believe in you must speak it out. Oh hallelujah. Am I speaking to a church at all? There is power in speaking. Listen at the age of 75. God visited Abraham and said, I will make you a father of many nations. And he never made Abraham a father of many nations. The promise was on Abraham, but he was never made a father of many nations. He was never able to give birth with her, his very wife, Sarah. They were expecting the baby, it was not coming. Until when he was 99 years, left with one year for the promise to manifest, left with one year for the covenant to be established. And then God comes and says that a year by this time, you are going to give birth. But for now, a year to the time, I'm changing your name. That really sees who you 
you are about to be. And from that year, if everybody start calling you Abraham, if everybody start calling you by that name, the, the force of speaking will cause the prophecy to manifest. Am I here with the church? If, he has, if his name has been changed at the age of 80, he would have given birth at the age of 81. Am I here with the church? If his name has been changed at the age of 90, God knows that if everybody keeps calling him Abraham, he has no choice than to give birth. That is why there are some names you must change it. No, change it. Let people call you by names that will cause a manifestation of the prophecy and the word of God by your life. When all of us are calling you by that name, our words carry the force to bring the manifestation of your expectation. You see, that is why most of us can say, I used to preach. Why? Because when you became born again, and the reality of your salvation and the life in it came on you, you, you were so happy, the joy of it made you keep talking anyhow. You would go everywhere and say, start talking, I found Jesus. I found the Savior. I'm saved through grace. I'm saved. And you keep talking about it and you are so happy and you are so excited. When you keep your mouth shut, it clearly says that your faith is weak. No. That is why when you come to church, you don't shut your mouth. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. We, we cannot stop praising God. We cannot stop talking about him. We cannot stop worshipping him. Anytime we stop worshipping God, it means our faith in him is weak. No. You are great. Yes, you are. Holy God, you are great. And you, you say this so loud because you truly believe that he is great. If you believe that hell is real, you will not struggle to win the lost. The, the truth is that many of us talk about hell, but we don't really believe that it's there. Paul says that because we know of the terror that is ahead, we persuade men. And the evidence of the fact that he knew that there is terror ahead is the fact that he was being imprisoned but yet never stopped preaching. He walked about, he didn't have a car, but he never stopped preaching. There were days he was weak, he never stopped preaching. This was a proof that he truly believed there is something called hell and the terror of the judgment day. If you genuinely believe that Jesus came to die on the cross to save you, went through all that agony, all that horror, you know he went through for the salvation of the world, then you will not sit back and watch. That faith will move you to want to save the lost all because of what Jesus did. You must win souls, train the souls, bring them to church, make sure they also bear fruit everywhere they go. That is when we know God will see that we truly believe in the commission. That is how God will know. Look at us today. You dress up and come to church. You don't care about them. The, the one out there who don't even believe in Jesus. You don't care about it. Why? Because you are not even convicted about this faith. You are not convicted about the salvation. How, how can you be there and your child is not saved and you are okay? Your brother, your sister is not saved. You are okay. And you really believe that there is something called hell. You don't believe. So you don't believe it. You believe. You are telling me you believe there will be a judgment day. And you are still playing with evangelism and soul winning. You, we don't believe it. We only preach it to receive applause. We don't believe it. 
We don't. True believers will go to the gutters, go to the streets, go everywhere to make sure that the soul is safe. True believers will give everything in their pocket to make sure a soul is safe. True believers will give out their clothes and their shoes to make sure that souls are safe. True believers will spend sleepless nights in prayer to make sure that souls are safe. Souls coming to church is not in the beauty of the church getting full. It's in the beauty of heaven getting full. Do you really believe that Jesus is Lord? Then do what he sent you. That is the only way you can justify your faith. If you believe it, then do what he sent you. Everybody seated at the sound of my voice, God has called you. William Booth said, not called. He said, don't say you are not called. Say, I didn't hear. He said, let no Christian say he's not called. Let him say, I didn't hear. But for the calling there, everybody is called. We are called to win souls. We are called to go out there to win souls. William Booth said, if you are being hesitant of going to win souls, he said, get closer to the gate of hell and put your ears there. And you will hear somebody crying, mentioning your name. Like the rich man mentioned the name of Lazarus. That go to my father's house. My brothers and sisters will soon join me. Please go and change them. One day a woman was coming to pour an expensive oil on Jesus. Coming to sow an expensive seed over Jesus. Then that devil comes out and says, Couldn't you have given to the poor? Hear me very well. Anytime somebody tells you, give your tithe to the poor, forget about the church and give to the poor. That is Satan speaking to you. And Jesus looked into that devil in the face of Judas and tells Judas that are you not the keeper of the bag? And have you not believed in stealing from the bag? The poor will always be with you. That was where we realized that 12 were chosen. One was a devil. And the one who worked his way out to hijack the money bag was the same devil. The devil has his eyes on the finances of the church, sir. You must be careful as a believer how you follow this trend and this satanic trend of don't give to the church, don't give to the pastors, don't give to that. It's, it's the voice of Satan misdirecting the church. Thank God for Mary who heard the voice but still poured the oil. Who heard the voice but still honored Jesus. Who heard the voice but still gave. There is who has just one objective to steal to steal to to hinder the church from becoming prosperous you know why because the devil's only evangelistic tool to draw people to himself is money wealth he knows that if the church handles money we can use money to win souls 
people we can give jobs to that they will not go into prostitution. There are boys we can put them to school, take care of them, and they will not be in the ghettos anymore. The devil knows. So he will do everything to make sure that finances are cut short from the church. But that devil is a bastard. I said the devil is a liar. He knows. So even Jesus, he goes to Jesus and says, bow to me. If you bow, I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms. I'll give you, they are all mine. The only strength of the devil is wealth. His only enticing tool is wealth. If the church on top of the gospel still get wealth, he knows that he cannot compete with us over the souls of the world. He knows. Without money, some of the souls will receive the gospel but still go back because of hardship. But if the church can be wealthy and sit back and then these souls come, we take care of them. These souls come, we buy shoes for them. These souls come, we clothe them. We give them capitals. We give them rent. We make sure that they don't go back to the world again. The devil knows that in the presence of wealth, everybody will choose the gospel over a worldly, dirty life. When we don't understand this, the devil will let the very people God planted in church to betray church. Because of 30 pieces of silver, Judas sold a priest to priest. The chief priest came and he sold the high priest to him. Them. How can you sell Jesus the high priest to other priests? Why? Because the man needed money. Money. 30 pieces of silver. What are we seeing in our generation? There are, there are pastors who have betrayed their senior pastors and have gone to another church all because of money. Because of money. Betrayed their ministries because of money. Went to another place where they will be paid a good salary. And they go and spoil the other ministry, spoil the other pastor, crucify the other pastor, and then they go. Listen, if Judas knew that there was a time coming where people will sell houses and lands and come and put it at the feet of the apostles, he would have never sold Jesus for 30 pieces. There are times you must understand that in the midst of the pain, there is a time coming that God will reward those who sacrifice in the times where there is no money. Those who sacrifice in the times where there were no breakthroughs. Hear me? If he knew, he wouldn't have sold Jesus. Listen, it's, it's one thing hearing the word of God and another thing knowing the truth of the word. You cannot say I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I walk in the faith life, and yet... You are struggling with giving. Anyone filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the signs is that the person is ready to give even the most valuable things of the person's life. The Holy Spirit will always ask you to let go. The Holy Spirit will not ask you to keep. And the good news is that when the people brought it, the apostles also let go. They started sharing among them. It's unfortunate that today we have churches that want to store money more than to distribute. So just tell the people to bring it and they keep it. That is, that is also wrong. That was not biblical. The people must bring it and then the church decides this person takes this portion, another person takes that portion, another person takes that portion. And the Bible says that they all had all things in common. May this grace come upon this ministry. Thank you for watching. 
to have access to this message and many others, subscribe to our YouTube page and get unlimited access to messages. Grace Mountain Ministries, located at Seven Days Junction, off the Achimota of Ancoma area, Accra. God richly bless you.